0: What's up everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Guyana Now Show. Today we've got Amy Majori, and Amy is a friend that I met uh, through real estate investing and on the show we talk about her success which is... Uh, raising a ton of money, doing a lot of deals, and then losing everything, going into debt $1.4 million, coming back out of that, and then having more success moving forward. So it's a fantastic episode. I think you're going to learn a lot about getting out of your own way and what it feels like to hit rock bottom and come back out. So make sure that you listen to this entire episode. Let's see what she has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Goo Yow Now Show. I am your host, Bob McIntosh, and I am excited to bring Amy with you. Now, it's actually an interesting story because we're filming today, this episode, in the city where we met, which is Chicago, uh, and it's really funny because the first time that she walked up, I was like, this woman is crazy. (laughs) Um, Maybe not quite that bad. But um, she's since um, had a lot of success and we've become pretty good friends and colleagues, uh, both speakers, trainers, things like that. And so I'm excited to have her here. Uh, I think she's got a very interesting story about where she went through with her family, um, hitting rock bottom and then coming back out and what she's up to right now. So I don't wanna steal her thunder, I'm gonna let her talk more about herself. So Amy, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, excited to be here. Awesome,
0: so tell her a little bit about what you do and then let's go back to sort of where it started with your family and your journey into entrepreneurship.
1: Sure, so I, my background's very traditional. I um, worked a corporate job, I was working for Dell Computers in Austin, Texas for 14 years and um, I went on a massive quest for knowledge in 2012 and I just wanted to change because I quickly realized that, you know, working a traditional nine-to-five wasn't going to provide me with the false security um, that most people think Think we get. Like, oh, it's all safe. It's a job. Um, It just wasn't going to help me get to where I wanted to go. Right. So, I was addicted to those home renovation shows, and I was okay. like, I'm going to go flip a few houses on the side of my full-time job just as a you know, part-time hustle. And I ended up investing in coaching, and I had some amazing mentors um, helped me along the way. And as a result, I had a lot of immediate success, uh, plenty of failures too. And I ended up um, retiring from my job at Dell and pursuing real estate full-time in 2014, nice, and um, it was cool because within eight months of you know consistently working in my real estate business, I started coaching and I was coaching real estate investors all over the country. I started speaking, I wrote a book, and just like things that even when I hear myself say it today, I'm like, this is crazy. I never <laughs> even thought that this would happen. You're sitting there working for
0: Dell, going, uh, "No, you're crazy. You're smoking crack. If that's the thing." Yeah,
1: I was like, all I wanted to do was run a one to two homes, maybe three a year. That's it, just for extra, you know, pocket change. And I actually ended up on accident while still working a full-time job renovating ten, all because I had systems in place. Nice. And I was able to raise private money, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, um, what I focus on now is I'm still an active investor, as is my husband. We actually met at a real estate conference, and um, we have a daughter who's ten months old. So. I decided to shift gears about a year and a half ago, and instead of traveling to coach and speak, I do everything remotely now, and I just nice. pick one topic that I hone in on, which is teaching investors how to raise private money for their business. Nice.
0: Okay, so you're, you're at this full-time job. I'm sure your family was like, hey, like, this is good. Don't yeah. quit, right? So tell everyone tell a little bit more about what that looked like for you. Like, What was the conversation with your family? How did it go? Did they think you were crazy?
1: Yes, all of the above. So, <laughs> My, I come from a Middle Eastern background, um, but my parents are very, uh, they're not, like, strict, stereotypical, you know, um, Midwestern parents. And um, my brother and a couple of my male cousins had pursued entrepreneurship in the past, and for the most part, they were not successful. I love you guys. <laughs> so when my dad heard that his, you know, daughter was pursuing entrepreneurship and leaving this Job at a very reputable company like Dell, he wasn't happy. For two years, my dad didn't even talk to me about what I was doing in real estate. I had gone under contract with HGTV, and my dad still wouldn't talk to me about real estate. So, um, but I knew that I was going to be successful, I was on the right track, I had surrounded myself with people on the same mission as me, and so I just kept my head down, focused on the end result, and over time, I was able to um, shift my dad's mindset. And now he's one of my biggest cheerleaders. He can't talk about his daughter enough. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's frustrating. And whether this is right or wrong, I use that negativity to just prove. People who didn't support me that they were wrong, and I was it's be like a right. fuel for you, yeah. it was Like, hey, like, I'm gonna use this. I get it,
0: I, I think we all have haters in our lives in some capacity, and hopefully, it's not family for a lot of you, but a lot of times it can be. But sometimes, those who are, the, who are the closest to us have the biggest vested interest in keeping us where we are because for them, change is scary, even if we're like excited about it, we know where we want to go, it's still scary for them. So let me ask you this, what, you know, what was that like, not, you know, your dad didn't talk to you, did he not talk to you at all or just not about real estate or, or, I I mean, because I know plenty of people that have have completely been discommunicated or excommunicated rather from family.
1: No, that's a great question. So he just didn't talk to me about real estate. So whenever he would call when I was still doing real estate and Dell, he would ask me, hey, how's work? And I would start talking about real estate. He would Mm -hmm. say, no, no, I mean Dell. (laughs) and then finally I'll never forget this one day I was like dad I don't know how Dell is doing like I don't know I don't care if you're going to ask me about work ask me about real estate and he got all dramatic and actually (laughs) then for 30 days we didn't talk at all I just remembered that um because I'm not supposed to talk to my dad that way but (laughs) um I was frustrated but again like I'll also never forget the day where he called me um, it was, like, 9 o'clock or so PM on, um, I think, a Tuesday night. I was at my aunt's house right down the street working, and when I saw my dad calling, I thought somebody had died, because I talk to my dad every day, but it's always my mom who calls and then gives the phone to my dad, right. so I was like, great, somebody died, and he actually called to say, I can't remember get emotional, he said, I just called to tell you that I'm proud of you. I didn't think you could do it. <laughs> um... And then we talked, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, I can't believe that this is happening." And what's even crazier is my non-supportive dad during my really tough times in 2017, late 2016, early 2017. I had some really big challenges. We can talk about if you would like. And uh, my dad still was my biggest advocate and supporter during those tough times. So it's been a pretty cool transformation. Awesome.
0: So let me ask you this: So what, like, what was going through your mind during this? This like you? I'm guessing at that time. Realized, hey, this this is a, a point of tension between the two of us. And whether it was like s- spoken tension or just unfelt tension, I imagine it was still there. How did you handle that? Like what, what got you through? What helped you say like, this is okay. I'm going to continue this and not, you know, I would imagine in some capacities it might be, oh, you don't want to be a disappointment. Yeah, um, absolutely. Or, that, that's, how, that's how they feel. Even though, even though you, you're often doing things, it's still like I don't want to disappoint whatever their expectations were, even if they weren't. You know high enough for what I'm after
1: sure so the first thing I did with my dad and everybody else and there were a lot of other people friends included who were not supportive I just stopped talking to them about it because I was so excited I'm on this new journey and things are happening and then I wanted to share it with people so I only shared it with the people who were on my accountability teams the people uh, my coaches and mentors people in the community who are actually also excited for me
0: okay so you just you found external support for That you were lacking from the internal side. Now, do you think that that support influenced the conversations and the way that you presented
1: yourself to your dad? That's a great question. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. I think it just helped me really not get frustrated, not have those down days, not get emotional. Um, it did prevent me from snapping at my parents, my dad <laughs> specifically. So, yeah, I think it definitely helped just having... That I give you confidence to yeah. go back, to keep going. Okay. Like, I'm, I'm on the right track.
0: So, I think that's huge. I think that's important. Whether you're watching or listening to this, like, understand that... Even if you are dealing with a negative family, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a parent, whether it be a sibling, or you know, whoever, uh, there's plenty of external support factors out there that we can go find and other groups. Um, just like the one that I run, I'm sure like people like Amy, uh, there's lots of folks out there we can talk to, especially in the niches that we're operating in. All right, so you go through, you have this, um the success, you like you said, you're on HGTV, which is huge, um, and then. Um, things are moving forward, and you said in like 2017 or so you hit you sort of hit rock bottom a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, tell them a little bit about what that was, so that they understand that this is a, like what I was important. If you're watching or listening, is that everything's a journey, right? Right? We can be on top of the world, the bottom of the world, back on top again, back on the bottom again. Um, that's just unfortunately the way that we sign up for. Right? There's very few of us that are going to end up like you know the Mark Zuckerbergs or whatever. Where it's like, oh, I have billions of dollars now and everything's great. You know, there's going to be ups and downs for this.
1: Yes, so I definitely had many highs and lows. Um, Although I had a ton of immediate success, I ended up because of that success, I ended up getting greedy, and I made some decisions that I knew went against my formulas, my business model. I knew they were riskier decisions going into them. Um, Now I had the funding to back it up, but. You know, why risk losing everything that you've worked for? So, and that's exactly what happened. It was, it's, the trickle effect started, I believe, in late 2016, and then it continued through all of 2017. So, 2017 has been the most challenging year of my entire life, personally and professionally, and then during that time, I got engaged and had to plan a wedding, which was (laughs) the last thing I wanted to do. And I had lost, and I'm very transparent, I lost $1.4 million, and, um... It is everything that I had earned. I had to drain my retirement accounts. I had to sell my rental properties. Um, and for me, I wasn't worried about the money because once you learn how to make money, especially in real estate, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easy to rebuild.
0: The process is easy. The, the formula is simple once you understand
1: Yes. And so for me, I was just, it's con- it was constant troubleshooting and problem solving every day for one year I was at the doctor's office at least once a month I would come home and cry to my husband at least every other day and he would just stand there and be super supportive Um, but I figured it out and what's cool about I guess you know what I do or what we do is I didn't realize the power of raising capital of knowing how to raise private money because I had that skill set I was able to quickly rebuild, I was able to shift my investment strategy, I was able to continue investing, and that led to other pillars of my business that just grew out of that huge, just like, downtime for me in 2017.
0: All right, right. so you lost 1.4 million. Talk a little bit about what that, like what what was the feeling then? Like, I mean, I would imagine, because look, I, I. there's been projects that I've lost money on, and I'm you know I'm looking at my lenders, and it's it's been you know not nearly that much. Obviously, where I've done my deals in Buffalo, the numbers are just way smaller. But at the time for me, it was still you know I was talking to one guy, it's like three hundred thousand dollars for one of my lenders, and I was like, for me, it was almost oppressive. It was like, oh my god, like I just didn't know what else to do. And I think you hinted on that a little bit about talking with, hey, like you were the doctor and you were crying, and um, and I think that's by the way totally fine. I think we all face that stress in some way. So. What was going through your mind at that point in time? You've lost $1.4 million. Um, why not just give up? Say, hey, I'm not going to do this. I can't. Like, I'm out.
1: Well, because Peace. I love it. And and this is what's so crazy. You even asking that question. I remember um, an acquaintance in the industry called me during this time and said, hey, like, so what are you going to do now? And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you've lost everything. So now what? <laughs> and this is what's so crazy is I never once thought about quitting because I found an industry I was so passionate about and I was good at it and I was like what do you mean I'm just going to change my strategy like I don't need to make risky greedy decisions it was a massive lesson learned and this is what's even crazier I think the biggest I wasn't sad I was just I felt bad because I had to call up all my lenders and tell them, hey, I just need more time to pay you back. Like, that's mm. it. Now, again, $1.4 million may be a lot to some people. It may not be a lot to others. That was a lot for me. Um, but I made these risky decisions going into it, knowing I had the assets to liquidate should something happen. So don't go out there and start making crazy risky decisions if you can't back it up <laughs> all your system. But um, important. But, yeah, and what's crazy is... I probably had, I don't know the exact number, 10 to 15 lenders that I was working with at the time because I had 10 different projects going on. And only one was semi-unsupportive. Everybody else was so insanely supportive. They would send me motivational quotes, inspirational emails. One lender even cried on the phone with me. I just couldn't believe it. And the reason why is because I was constantly keeping them informed. So when these things happen, you guys, don't just like run away, don't throw in the towel, don't quit, just keep your team informed and that's it. You'll be pleasantly surprised at how much support you get.
0: And it's an interesting thing, right? We we oftentimes, we go the opposite direction. I um, mean, I've seen this time and again with people that I've talked to. Is it's like, oh, I, like I'm embarrassed, so I don't want to talk to somebody. I don't want to let them know what's going on because it, it's a personal point of pride almost. Um, but you said it's, it's, so. The exact opposite word for you, and that's that's interesting too. I think you know. We, obviously, you said you had one that didn't that didn't. But for the rest of them, and they kind of understand. Like we're all human. We all understand that what we're going through. Um, no one obviously is going to uh, you know be like, yeah, you failed. Good job, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, so and so afterwards, perhaps, but. Um, I think that's an interesting thing, like just communication at any point in time. And I think that's true, whether you're facing the loss of money, whether you're facing the loss of anything or any downtime, communicating with anybody, I think is going to be massively important.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all about how you present yourself and I believe it's the tough times that define us. Even after that loss, I still had all of those, except for one, same lenders reinvest with me. Wow. we stay in touch. Some of them have become actually really good friends of mine. We've gone on vacations together, so it's just crazy. Again, this is something that I'm hoping that we are all into, not just for the money, um, but for just a lifestyle change, right. right? So it's even though it's been tough, it's been a pretty cool journey. Okay,
0: so you're you're at this point. You've lost all this money. You're having this communication. Um, you know, and they're understanding, they're even supportive in some cases of, and obviously because they want to get paid back, so they know that you're working on that. I think that's a huge distinction to make, too. It's like, it's not like, hey, sorry, there's no money in peace, right? It's like, hey, I'm figuring it out. I just need more time. Um, You know, and and, and like I said, you're at the doctor, uh, you were crying with your husband, and he was super supportive. Um, At that point in time, as you're facing this overwhelming possibility, you said, all I need to do is shift my strategy. Was there ever moments of doubt where you're like, oh, I can't do this, or uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, or maybe I'm not built for this? Or were you just like, hey, like, I know I did it once, I did well, I just made my decisions and I can go forward. Like, what was the...
1: You know what, now that you ask me that question again, I do remember, not many, but there were a few days where... So, again, very transparent. Um, I never wanted to exit the real estate industry. To me, $1.4 million was a lot of money. And, again, this is a whole other conversation. But when you raise money, if you use appropriate contracts and paperwork, your lenders are still making an investment. So, yeah, now that I think back, there were a couple of days where I was like, ugh. Like maybe I just call them and tell them, like, I just, I don't have the money, like, I, I had thought actually about, what, do I want to file for bankruptcy, so now that you asked me that question, mm-hmm. I remember a few times that those thoughts ran through my mind, but I talked to my husband about it out loud, and he was like, no, you're insane, and then the next day I was like, oh yeah, you're right, I was just in a really bad place, um,
0: so, again, it sounds like an external communication factor has been your biggest support. Yeah. So, a lot of you being able to talk to other people about whatever's going on for you and get that, get that feedback and support back.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it too is just, you know, it's what I tell my students don't go out there and raise money if you're not going to um, be good for it and pay them back should something happen. Now, I'm the type of person where I can't sleep at night if I know that I have lost somebody's retirement money. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not be able to be like, Oh, see you later, I'm gonna file for bankruptcy and just open up a new LLC and just keep doing what I'm doing. Like that right. doesn't work for me. Um, and by and the unfortunately, way there's people that do that. There are people that do that and Word travels fast. This is a very small community industry world. If that's what you choose to do, great. You do what you want. But the probability of you rebuilding and having greater success, if that's important to you, is not likely. Right,
0: and I think that's totally true. I mean, look, there's been projects we've lost on the island I had to go back to my own and say, hey, we'll, we'll figure it out. just takes, give me yeah. some extra time, we'll get there. Um, okay, so even at this point in time, now overcome family objections and, and, and haters. You've overcome massive loss of $1.4 million and then rebuilding yourself back up from that. Um, You know, what's going on now, what direction are you heading today, and how much of what you're choosing to do today has been influenced by, you know, those ups and downs you face? Yeah,
1: so, um, what's what's influenced me today from those ups and downs is a very hard lesson learned, which is don't deviate, follow your system, don't make risky decisions. So, I have not, like, and, you know, when I first got into real estate, before I really knew my why... I was young, I was single, I was living in downtown Chicago. I just wanted to make a bunch of money. Right. And so for me, I remember coming home to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, and I'll never forget this, I actually sold a property and I only made like $83,000. I was supposed to make $111,000, Again, I've lost a lot more. <laughs> and I came home from the closing, my boyfriend was like, Hey, aren't you excited? Let's go celebrate. And I was like, no, this is so annoying. Like, I only made 83. 83 dollars in six months from just one deal. Now, if I make 20, I'm like, that's amazing. I right. got it. Let's go. So I'm much more conservative, which has resulted too in a lot into many other new business ventures. Um, but what happened was in January of 2019, I found that I was pregnant, and um, I am 42, my husband's 40. And I just wanted to be a soccer mom. And so I decided... Minivan and everything? Not the minivans. <laughs> okay. That's hey, got it. ask. I love minivans. <laughs> and so... She's getting one. Mark it right now. You heard
0: it here. She's getting
1: one. Again, as much as, as you know, we would get on airplanes. We would travel every week. And I loved that before I had a family. So I said, hey, you know what? I still work. I'm an active investor. So is my husband. We work in all aspects of residential and commercial real estate. Uh, And I still wanted to coach and teach others because that, to me, is very rewarding, seeing those transformations. Also, because I'm a product of the system. Like, I never, ever thought I'd be where I am today without my coaches and mentors. And so, I decided to pick one niche in real estate, which ironically happens to be a towering strength of mine, which is raising private money. Mm -hmm. And that is the only thing I teach. So, I am revamping all of that. I've got... Uh, a new private money course that just launched, and um, it's pretty cool because I provide my community and students with the exact same blueprint that I use in my own business to raise over $16 million, build my power team, and get on HGTV. So it's over probably over 40 different templates and power pitches and cost-benefit analysis, credibility pieces, presentations, everything that anybody would need to get out there and confidently raise private money? No, not from your friends and family members, but from complete strangers. So that's what that course is all about. And that's that's my primary focus now um, from a coaching perspective.
0: Perfect. So let me ask you this. Do you ever at times feel like, hey, like I, obviously you're successful at raising money like you said previously, but you also lost money. I lost a lot of money. Do you ever say, hey, like, who am I to be teaching somebody? Who am I that I you know?
1: I'm a great person to be teaching somebody. Mm-hmm. Because of the lesson. I'm very humble, too. No, I really am. Yeah, but... So, look. I didn't lose the money, and I didn't, you know, try to screw over anyone because I'm a bad person. There are... I made risky decisions, but there are also things that happen in the market that are out of our control. So, even though I lost a bunch of money... I'm very good at raising private money. I know how to talk to people um, with high ethics and morale. This is, there's a way you approach people. There's a way you present data. There's a way you build rapport and long-term relationships. So yes, you know what? I raised a bunch of money. I lost a bunch of money and I'm still raising money today. So learn from me. Why not take the fast track to success other than try to figure it out yourself? You want to go read a book and take two years to figure it out? Great. That's just not what I wanted to do. I
0: get it. And I, so I asked the question because I think a lot of people would have been facing, having faced similar situations, would have said, I'm not worthy or having that mental conversation internally of saying, hey, I'm not. Um, but I, I honestly believe that our, our struggles, our rock bottoms, the things that we have to face in that capacity are the very reason that we need to be teaching someone. Because what can each of you learn? From the lessons that she did, like so, she says, "What well, you know, she made risky, risky decisions." Okay, so when we're looking at at this, can you cover a risky decision? I'm not saying you shouldn't make one necessarily, but can you cover that decision with whatever you're doing? Does it doesn't make sense? So now, I know obviously you're in the real estate space. So are you teaching that specifically for real estate people, or do, do you also talk about raising money for other businesses or other uh, potentials?
1: You know, a lot of the strategies I teach can apply to entrepreneurs across multiple industries, I just focus on other real estate professionals because that's how I figured it out. Okay.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And obviously, as real estate people, we would, you know, raising money is huge. We're not, you know, unless you're in cheap markets like Buffalo, uh, you need a lot of money. <laughs>
1: well, that's another thing. But even
0: still, the more money you have, the more you can buy.
1: Yeah, and I have students who say, well, you know, they live in California, for example, and they want to start renovating homes outside of California because California is so expensive, that doesn't even matter. The price point has nothing to do with the deals you're going to do and the private money you're going to raise. So that's not even a criteria. You want to start to figure out your own backyard first. And then, as you know, finding the deal is the hardest part. So once you find the deal, you're not going to have a problem raising money when you know who to talk to, where to find them, and what to say.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so you're going through you're teaching you're teaching this. I would imagine that as part of your journey here, because well, just because I know you and I know to ask this question, um, that you've never created a course before. Um, you know, it, so it seems to me you have a repeating pattern of saying, "I'm like here's something new. I'm going to go forward and do it. Um, here's something crazy different. I'm going to go forward and do it." So, what do you attribute that mentality of always moving forward into crazy new things and saying, "I'm going to go do this," even though I have no idea or what I'm doing or where I'm going yet? and I know that I need to or that I want to like what keeps that drive going for you
1: I believe in investing in your education investing in a future I have multiple coaches right now I have personal coaches professional coaches I have a therapist so when I decide to launch an online course yeah I have great content but I don't know how to present that in a systematic way, so I invested in an online course coach. And she's literally showing me step-by-step, step, all right, take this video, put it here, um, break it down in the, into these chapters. like, And I can say that openly and confidently because I don't care. I believe in coaching and mentorship. Right. Again, I don't want to go read a book or listen to a podcast or go uh, try to figure it out on my own. I decided I want to launch an online course, and I'm going to take the fast track to success. So you I. A coach who's showing me exactly how to do it.
0: Perfect. And so, um, would you attribute a lot of the success that you've had so far to the coaches and mentors who have helped you? And has it accelerated the timeline, or has it just been the systems and tools that they taught you? Or is it
1: both? I attribute the majority of my success to my coaches, mentors, and my team. Uh, And it has definitely expedited everything that I've done since 2014. Um, yeah, you know, we put in the time, we put in the blood, sweat, tears, but it's direct, it's with direction and guidance and support from your coaches, your team, your trusted advisors and your mentors.
0: Okay. And so how have you gone about finding the right coaches that you actually really trust in? Like what's been your vetting process to say? Because um, I know, obviously, excellent communication for you has been something that is very important. Like, that's how you're, you're feeding and working through and getting out of your own way is by saying, okay, having something to bounce those ideas off of or bounce your problems off of. So how do you go about finding the right people for yourself to know that, hey, this is going to be a person that I'm going to trust with my growth and my business right. and my life?
1: So something else I'm not going to do is do a bunch of research on Google. <laughs> I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't want to go research 15 different coaches for one topic. Every decision I've made as it pertains to building my team and who I surround myself with and my coaches and mentors has come from a credible referral. I'm going to go find someone in the industry who's successful at doing what I want to do and be like, hey, who is your coach? Were you happy? Great. Give me their number. That's what I do.
0: Okay. Perfect. And I think that's a huge thing. So whatever you're doing, whatever your niche is, whether you're in real estate, whether you're in anything, um, who are the people who are already successful? What are they doing, and who was coaching them? Because I promise you, uh, I've had coaches, she's had coaches, mentors. Um, those of us who are successful at a high level always have those people to help us along. So I think that's great. Awesome. Well, um, anything else you want to share? Anything specific, you know, for, for everyone on getting out, getting out, of your own own way? Any advice that you leave leaving ways? I was? mean,
1: just do it. Uh, the majority of people who I'm sorry, the majority. The top, why can't I speak today? Most people mm-hmm. don't do what they want to do because they allow the element of fear to get in the way. Just do it. Be that 1% who gets out there and just figure it out. If, if you're not where you want to be, whether it's personally or professionally, then build an accountability team, look into coaching and mentoring, and just do it. You're gonna. The hardest decision is making the decision to do it. Once you decide what you're going to do and you actually do it, you're never going
0: 100 true. Let me ask you this: So you said building accountability team. What what does your accountability teams look like? You, how often do you meet? What do you like? How do you hold each other accountable? What does that look
1: like? Yeah, I actually have four different ones, um, and one of, actually two of them are personal. One is for health and fitness. The other one is a mom group, and the other two are um, for my business. Um, and they vary we will have weekly zoom calls for some of them. We'll do monthly face-to-face meetings for others We'll do bi-weekly text check-ins on mm-hmm. others um, But the group is just no more than four people and so it's a very um, Diverse as far as our strength and weaknesses. We're not mm-hmm. all the exact same in our group, but we have the same goal and um, it's basically three minutes to talk about your highs and your lows, and then um, five minutes to talk about, like, you're in the hot seat, so how can the group help you, what's your goal for the next week or so, and then that's it. Okay, perfect. So simple. And
0: I the reason I ask that is because I think for a lot of people, um, and I can speak personally as well, the... Whenever I've had accountability groups, which I've gone through phases of having them, sometimes not, it just depends on what's happening in my life and what I'm trying to accomplish, but I know that having them has always been the time that I've seen the biggest growth, the biggest leaps and bounds, so it's always one of those things like, yeah. And I, I find it fascinating. Um, there's a lot of people I talk to that have, like, you're like, oh, I'm in this accountability group with like 100 people, and I'm like, how do, how do you even yeah, know what's going on? Really. So I, I love that you're like, hey, it's four people, because then it, you really get to know what each person's going through. Now let me ask you this. Do you, do you, what happens if they fall off the van and they're not doing the things?
1: Well, then we, were, whoever it is in the group, and this has happened before, we'll be like, hey, are you sure you really want to do this? Like, you're not getting what you want out of it. It's not as valuable to the team. So just let us know when you're ready to recommit. So, okay. and you have to be comfortable
0: having those transparent conversations. I fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, we there was a group I was in. I made to let someone go from the group, even though they they were a great contributor in terms of giving information. They were terrible at actually, you know, holding themselves accountable. Or we like, hey, did you do this done? No, why not? Well, I just didn't. It's yeah. like, well, what's the point of being in the group? Like, we're here to support each other. So right. I think that's that's huge. Awesome. Um, so, I know obviously, you have a course on raising private money that just launched. Um, if people want to follow you or check out the course, where should they go to find more information?
1: So you can check out more about um, the course and me at Um I do manage online on social media, so you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram, and I would be more than happy to help you guys out and point you in the right direction.
0: Awesome. And uh, you spell your site just so they know how to spell it.
1: So amymajore, A-M-Y-M-A-H-J-O-O-R-Y
0: perfect and obviously guys always any links anything like that will be in the show notes so you'll be able to just click through there from the show notes to get that but amy thank you so much for being thank here you. truly thank appreciate you. it thanks awesome and it's cool that we got to do this in chicago it's like full
1: circle i know right <laughs> and i'm not crazy he just didn't think i was very smart that's what it was no
0: it's not that i didn't think you were very smart i mean of course yeah i, think, but I don't that think that was, was, so. that was no, <laughs> um okay
1: no i'm just i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding.
0: No, um, no, it's funny, is we, the people that we meet, I, so it's interesting, if, if we're going, going back to that, is um, I've met a lot of people, I mean, I've taught more than 10,000 entrepreneurs over the last seven or eight years, and the thing that I find the most interesting is, is not that someone's crazy or, or not smart, whatever it is, because look, I've seen plenty of not smart people be very successful, sure. and plenty of smart people fail miserably, oftentimes I'd say almost more often, that's the case. Um, but what I admire about you is your persistence and your commitment to keep going. Thanks. Um, I think that's, that's why we're having this conversation now. That's why we still talk, you know, however many years later it's been, now, um, is because whether you're smart or not, whether I think you're smart or not, it doesn't really matter. Whether you think you're smart or not, doesn't really matter. Sure. At the end of the day, you just keep pushing forward and this is even going after and I'll figure it out one way or another. And I think that's huge. I think having that commitment and drive internally is what will ultimately make you even more successful than you've already been. Thank you. Having so much. <laughs> awesome. So thank you all for being here. appreciate it. whether you're watching or listening. As always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this show or podcast, depending on where you're consuming this content. I appreciate having you guys on for everything. Uh, as always, if I can help you in any way, please reach out, drop comments, ask questions. Um, obviously, if you have questions and I can't answer them, I will make sure that uh, Amy gets them to get those questions answered for you as well. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. We'll see you on another video real soon. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G O, the number three. D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.